It's a privilege uh, to speak uh, to you this morning as I was just reflecting as I get invited to a few places uh, um, here in the country and around the world and I, and I preach. Uh, I think it's uh, most special whenever I'm uh, invited to speak here, uh, here to my own church, to my own family. So, uh, so it's a real privilege. A few months ago I was uh, in uh, Thailand. I was in southern Thailand when I was invited to speak uh, to a church there. And in Thailand they speak Thai. And uh, so... I was uh, given an interpreter, assigned an interpreter who was uh, who was uh, to he was the man who spoke best English in that congregation, and he was uh, supposed to help me with the help people understand my message. Well, it turned out that he didn't speak English very well, and uh, as I said with him before the service, tried to explain to him what my message will be about. He kept going like, uh, "Come again, again? What? Can you repeat, please?" I said, "You know what." Just say whatever you think I'm saying. Yes? Don't ask me on stage, please repeat again, because I will lose the plot. Um, just keep saying whatever you think saying. And I saw people being um, encouraged and energized, so I, I hope his message was good. Um, um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's privilege. It's privilege to be here this morning. Today, I would like to talk about transformations. I would like to talk about the change that God, that we let God do in our lives. And that this change then um, impacts not only our lives, but the lives of other people. So about the transformation, the changing into God's image. But before I, uh, I, I, I begin to speak, I'd like to show you a clip. A short clip of a man whom I think uh, uh, most of you would re- will recognize, talking about... Uh, about the transformation in his life. So, have a, have a look. Well, when I got to 17, all my older friends went off to college and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to be a songwriter. I was playing in after hours bars from 1.30 to 5.30, just in a bunch of trouble. begin to be enticed that maybe you could play with a fire and you won't get burned. Little did I know that um, I would be in the biggest pit of my life and feeling like there was no way of escape. Smoking that first joint and feeling so guilty about it. From there it went to, you know, it was cocaine, it was LSD. And I'm just in the thick of it, man. I'm just doing this stuff, and I'm, I'm, I got sucked into this thing. For some reason, I justified it. You lose perspective. It's almost like your, your compass sort of just like disappears, and you enter this whole other world, and you don't really realize it's going down, and then all of a sudden, it's too late. You know, I'd flash back to those times when I was 15, going just really hearing the voice of God going, I've got a call in your life. I knew where I belonged. I just couldn't get out of the mess that I was in. And um, I was very depressed. That went on for three years until I had near-death experience and snorting something that you thought was cocaine and something else and thought I was going to die. Literally, literally thought I'm dying. And that's when I began to pray that God would do whatever he had to do to get my attention. 
I need to be rescued. Everything began to change. And in November 79, I got rescued at 12.30 at night on the linoleum floor of my kitchen uh, right outside of Nashville. I went on the floor and just began to shake. And uh, I was crawled up like a baby, you know. I was just weeping, I was weeping. And I wept and I wept and I cried and I cried. Just like, and I just began to cry out for God. The God of the universe came and wept with me on that floor. And I haven't been the same since. It all changed. I made up my mind that I would hold myself accountable. I would surround myself with great people. You know, one thing led to another. Eight months later, I got my first songwriting contract. I was getting paid 200 bucks a week to write songs. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And then all of a sudden, I found myself getting a record deal. And I'm in the studio 14 hours a day, and I'm writing songs. And, you know, all of a sudden, I'm opening up for Amy Grant, and I'm doing my own tours. And, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself filling arenas. Never could have orchestrated any of this. And so been pretty remarkable. God's faithful. I know now what the real deal is, and I know now that selling millions of records doesn't bring you peace, and I know where my hope lies. It's not being a rock star. All that stuff dissipates, but it never lasts. It doesn't last. The greatest peace that I have is I know who I am. I'm a son of the high king of the universe. My identity crisis is solved. I am Michael W. Smith, and I am second. Amazing story, isn't it? There's a man who, um, who we, most of us, I think, we know. We, most of us would have his music somewhere in our iPads and, uh, or computers. We'd have his CDs. We sing his music from up here. On, on, on Sundays, um, when I go, I go sometimes to different places around the world that I can't even pronounce, but people, I find people that are having his CDs as well. And there he is, talking about the transformation that God has done in his life, how God brought him from, uh, from as he says, near-death experience, uh, an experience of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, self-destruction, self-destruction and changed his life, transformed his thinking. Um, and as he let God do that in his life, God then led him to ministry, um, in a ministry where he reaches millions of people through his music. And, um, and it's amazing, and it continues, and that's what God does. Um, he specializes in transforming and touching lives. And, um, and, um, but there is a part for, our, for us to play in this as well in accepting God's transformation, in accept, accepting that change in our life. And that's what I want to talk about today. Let's, let's, let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is a verse which is quoted quite often when we talk about transformation. 
Actually, I will, I will start from verse 17. It won't be up on the screen. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit, there is freedom. We sang about that this morning. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This, these verses here, the Bible talks about the Spirit giving the freedom to, to, know, to know God and to the freedom to change, the freedom um, um, to reflect God's glory. Um, it talks about unveiled faces that we have, and it, and it, uh, uh, it, it refers to Moses. In the earlier verses, uh, he explained, Paul explains that Moses, when he came out from the tent, from meeting with God, he had to cover his face because his face was so radiant. However, today we don't have to cover our faces anymore um, because our, our, the, the radiancy of God is seen through us, he says, and it is seen through the transformation that we go through that the Spirit brings us through on the inside. That's what we reflect uh, today. And um, I'm going to come back to that uh, later uh, as well. But, uh, but when the, word, the word for transformation that is used in this particular uh, verse is, is a Greek word. Um, I hope I can pronounce it right. But it's metamorpho, metamorpho which, which means to change form, to transfigure. And it is the root word, I'm, I'm told, to the, of the English word meta, metamorphosis, yes, which is a biolo- biological term uh, used today, which, which talks about changing form. When an animal is born, an insect is born, it changes its form as it grows. And, and from, a, from, a, from an egg to a caterpillar uh, to, a, to a little slug-like creature in a cocoon to a beautiful butterfly. Glorious butterfly. And it is that changes that uh, the word metamorphosis describes. I loved that picture with butterflies. Because you start with this ugly little creature, uh, unappealing completely, and you end up with this beautiful, glorious butterfly, uh, uh, which just brings so much joy when we see it. Oh, that's a butterfly. Got it. (laughs) Sorry, maybe it was only me when I was young, but... uh, (laughs) But uh, um, so, so Paul, Paul, by talking about metamorphosis in, in our lives, he, he gives us a picture of, of transformation that we go through, which is almost like a f- form transformation, transformation of shape. That's how powerful uh, it is. And um, when we talk about transformation, we experience it when we become Christians first. Yes, it's an instantaneous experience. Uh, um, we pray and, and God, we repent and God comes and His Spirit makes His home with us and we changed suddenly. Our values change. Um, things uh, that were fun for us before perhaps lost its allure now and, uh, and, and, and people see the difference and they begin to see something has changed about you. Yes, some people with, uh, with addictions um, have said, um, um, I lost my addictions overnight, just like that. This is an instantaneous uh, um, um, change that, uh, that God does in us. However, it doesn't end there, does it? 
It's not that simple because then we embark on this life with Christ and um, on, on a life, um, a journey with him. Uh, and as he takes us along, he teaches us lessons. He shows us new things. He challenges us. And he challenges us to change, to transform. And, um, and whereas in the beginning, in the first trans- transformation, as we become Christians, it was the Spirit doing the work with us. In sec- in, 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 as we go along in life, he's looking for our cooperation. He's looking to, for us to, to take those lessons on board and to let him do the work in us. And this is what I'd like to talk about this morning. An elderly uh, Christian in his 90s, I heard the story once, was asked by a young believer. And um, um, the young believer asked this man who was, uh, was a Christian for 80 years, some 80 years, and he asked him, when will I reach that point in my life that I will not, to, no, no, I will not need to change anymore, that I, will be, that I will be in the image of God, as the Bible says. And this elderly Man said, well, when I reach that point in life, I'll let you know. Yes, and, there's a, and it's, a, it's a message because it's a, there's a, it's a process. It's a, it's a process. It's a life journey that God is taking us on. And he's challenging us the whole time to change. The verse that we have up on the screen, it says that we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Or as in some translations, it says, from glory to glory. Whose glory? My glory? His glory. And it is from one glory to another. And an ever-increasing glory. It's a process. And there is more of God, more revelation, more things to come. And He's telling us, He's teaching us, He's challenging us. Will we learn the lessons? Will we let Him change us? Let's read uh, Acts 11. Acts 11 from uh, verse 1 to 18. Now, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of, of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air, When I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill, and eat, I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying, The Spirit told me to have no hesitations about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear to him and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter, 
He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us in, at the beginning. There were, then I remembered what the Lord said. John baptized with water, but you will ba be, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they uh, heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God granted, has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. This is one of my favorite uh, parts of the scripture in the book of Acts. It's because here God shows himself as someone uh, much bigger than, uh, than what sometimes we imagine him to be. Yes, we, all of us, whether we like it or not, we put God in certain frames. And here he's, he's showing himself to be so much bigger. And um, not only that, but he's revealing to the church new things. Revealing to the Christians new things at that time. And, and the question was, would they learn the lessons? Would they, would they allow God to speak uh, to, him, to them? Speak yeah, him speak to them. Um, sorry. And um, um, here Peter, a Jew, a real Jew, a good Jew, it, he sees a vision. And in this vision, he's asked to kill and eat animals which are considered by the Jewish religion as impure. And uh, he says, no, I won't do that. This rule was so important that he, he, even when he heard the Lord speak to him, kill and eat, three times he, he said, no, I won't do that. No. And three times the Lord had to tell him, look, look, don't call anything impure which I have cleaned. And then, and then Peter had, um, was invited suddenly, at, at the, as he was still thinking about that, he is invited into a Gentile's home. Another shock, because, because Jews don't go into Gentile's homes. Good Jews don't, religious Jews don't, which Peter was. And it became an issue when he returned to Jerusalem, which is what we read here at the beginning of uh, verse, chapter 11. When he went back to Jerusalem, they, they questioned him, the believers. They said, well, why would you go into Gentiles' home? But the Lord said to Peter, go, go there and start preaching to him. He was teaching Peter, God was teaching Peter a lesson. And the question was, will he learn? That lesson, as a good Jew, as a good Jew who, who doesn't associate himself with anything that is considered impure, would he learn the lesson? Would he let God speak to him and speak into his life? And I'm so glad that Peter did, aren't we? Because, uh, of course, this has done tremendous thing in Peter's life, and it has transformed and changed the way he thinks and he thought. And... Um, but Peter, but also it has impacted us today. We are here today because they learned that lesson, that revelation that came from God. They accepted it into the church and they put it into life. And Peter himself was uh, no stranger to, to being an initiator or, or, or that uh, pioneer. Where Peter, known as the rock, yes, Peter the rock, Cephas, uh, uh, um, was, was a uh, fisherman when Jesus called him. And he is known for his uh, 
to, be, to, to speak sometimes faster than think. Yes, he would say words sometimes in the Bible, and then, oh no, I'm sure he went like, oh no, why did I say that? What was that all about? You know, when, when Jesus talked about, uh, he was the first one to speak up whenever there was a question asked. I know, I know. He was the first one to speak. When, uh, when, Jesus, uh, when the disciples saw Jesus coming in the middle of the night, walking on water, everyone was in fear, and Peter, what did he say? Can I come? He was the first man to do, he was, he was an initiator, he was a leader, and, um, um, and he was not without flaws. Yes, we read about them in the Bible. We read about his, uh, his difficulties in life. But he went on a journey of transformation in his life. And that's how, despite his shortcomings, despite who he was, uh, despite sometimes he said harsh things, God used him greatly to the very end of his life. Um, one of such examples is when uh, Jesus was arrested. When Jesus was arrested, we read in, in the garden, we read there was a confusion amongst the disciples, and all of them ran in different directions. But the story continues to tell us of two disciples. One is Peter, and the other one is Judas. And both of them have fallen that night. Both. Because Judas has... Uh, has uh, um, he um, gave Jesus up for money. Yes, betrayed him, a friend. And uh, Peter denied him that night, publicly, out of fear. Even though the day before he was saying, no, no, I will never deny you. Never in my life. I will die first, then deny you. And he did. Not just once, but three times. Both of them have fallen. However, and, and, however the, the, they, both of them have reacted differently to their fall. Both were sorry for what they'd done. Judas went back to the, to the priest and said, take your money back I, I, you know, and let him go. He hasn't done anything wrong. He, was, he realized his mistake. And so did Peter as he went out and he cried as he realized, oh no, I've denied my master, my Lord, Jesus Christ. But the ending of the two is completely different. And the, the difference is that uh, one has hardened his heart and hasn't repented, has hardened his heart, bought a piece of land, and hanged himself on that piece of land out of his desperation, hardening of heart. The other one has gone to God and said, forgive me, and has learned that lesson and has allowed God to change him. That's Peter. Romans 12:2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We talked about, uh, Andy talked about looking for God's will this morning, about His uh, majestic will for our life. Transforming of your mind, that's the key. I like the New Living Translation of this verse, which says, um, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you. Let God transform you. I want to give you three points now. I want to, 
three points which perhaps will help you do that. Letting God transform us. Letting God transform you. Point one. Take a step back. Try to see a bigger picture. When faced with situations that are challenging, difficult, uneasy, unusual, surprising, which are perhaps different, um, when life throws sand in your eyes, take a step back and try to see the bigger picture. Try to see perhaps what God is telling you, trying to show you through that through experience in that particular situation. Um, it's, um, it's not always easy to do that. It's not always uh, very quick. The answers are not found very quick. But, um, but, but taking a step back and trying to see a bigger picture, trying to think about what is God perhaps trying to teach me in this circumstance helps us to change perspective. And um, a few months, uh, few months ago, I remember Dom here preached about godly perspectives, changing perspectives. And, um, and, and it's still online if, you, if anyone would like to listen. But, but taking a step back allows us to see different perspectives, godly perspectives, spending time with God, um, just talking about the situation, uh, the experience, allows us to, to take that time to, 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 to see it from His eyes which from experience I know are often different than mine, and his views are different than mine. The decision for, for Peter to go into a Gentile's home must, must have been uneasy. It wasn't an easy one. And he should have refused according to the law, according to the faith that he was following. But um, because he was able to take a step back, and he was thinking about the vision, and he... And he heard God speak, go. And he was thinking about it, And he was able to take a step back. He realized that God is doing something. And, um, and, he, and, he, um, and that step, and, and he went. And that has revolutionized his thinking because he was able to step back. It has transformed his thinking. And he was being changed. We see transformation throughout the Bible. If you look at the, the heroes of the Bible, you see transformations in many different place, places and um, all over. Um, Jonah, in the Old Testament, is one example of a man who I think didn't look at the bigger picture. Because Jonah was told by God to go and preach uh, to, uh, to a city, to Nineveh, which he refused. Why should I go? There are enemies. They'll repent and they'll come back to you and you'll forgive them. But I want you to destroy them. He didn't see the bigger picture. Yes, it's, it's about redemption. It's about salvation. He didn't see it. Even when God, so he ran the other way and he ran on the sea. Even when he experienced being thrown overboard, he experienced being swallowed by a fish. Uh, even that experience didn't teach him much. Uh, because uh, after he's preached in the neighbor, and they did come to, the, to, to repent, he then said under a tree, and uh, and sun was on his head because the sun was on his head. He probably felt ill, felt ill, and he said, "Oh, I want to die now. I feel so sick. I want to die." And the Lord spoke to him, "Why are you saying you want to die? Because you because the sun is on your hand head. Look at the bigger picture. Look at what's happening here." 
Jonah is an example of a person who didn't stay, take a step back, but was looking at his own from at things from his own perspective. Take a step back. Don't fight back. So, second point: spend time with God. In Second Corinthians three eighteen, which we read earlier, we read about verses before then. We um, actually let's read that. Second Corinthians. Three from verses thirteen. Um, from verses thirteen onwards, we are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil may, uh, remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because God is in. Christ, uh, because, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit, is, uh, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness, with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we read about Moses here. Moses, uh, um, the story is from Exodus, when Moses would go into a tent and would see God, spend time with him in tent, chatting. He would come out to the people to tell them what God had said, and people would gather around him. But they saw that his face was shining, and they were scared. They didn't want to listen because they were looking at that face. And so Moses had to cover his face. Yes, and, and, and Paul says they didn't see the bigger picture. Yes, all they saw was, was this shining. They didn't understand and they were scared. So, so a veil, he says, was put on their heart. But Paul then says, the Spirit brings about transformation in you, which, where you still reflect God's glory, but it is from the inside out, not the outer glory like Moses, but from inside out. When people see us, they see the difference. They see the difference in the way we act, we think, and the way uh, perhaps uh, there is something different about us, people say. But it is done by the Spirit from inside out. And just as in the case of Moses, as he spent time with God, and he then later reflected God's glory, so it is today that transformation comes when we spend time with God that inside-out transformation. It's still the same. The, the principle is still the same. Um, in my grumpy moments, which I have very few, by the way, uh, perhaps my wife would tell you something different, but, uh, but I think they're very rare, very, very rare. But in my grumpy moments, uh, Magda would always uh, often tell me, David, why don't you go and spend some time with the Lord? Go and have your quiet time. Yes? Why? Um, because, because she says that I come out different. Yes? Smiling, radiating, you know? Changed, changed thoughts. Um, and, and I think and this, is, this, is, this is what God does to us when we spend time with Him. 
We change the perspectives. We let him do that change. There's a saying, my teachers used to tell me that a lot. It says, show me your friends and I will tell you who you are. Make Jesus Christ your friend. Yes, make Jesus Christ your friend. And you'll be like him. Spend time with God. Read the Bible. And, um, and, um, and spend time with him in prayer. So that's the second point. Third point is forgive. Forgive. Jesus taught a lot on forgiveness. Um, it was relevant to people then, just as it is relevant to everybody today. And um, it, was, it was so important, I think, that uh, when, when, when Jesus told the disciples to say the Lord's Prayer, um, this is what he taught them. He says, um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And here comes the part that I want to highlight. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. With the emphasis here on as we have forgiven others. If you read it from the back, we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Therefore, Lord, forgive us. Or we could read, we haven't forgiven those who sinned against us. Therefore, No, I don't even want to go there. But the principle is there. And this highlights the importance of forgiveness in our life. People who struggle with that, who, have, who harbor unforgiveness in their heart, I found, find it difficult to move on in life. They may be happy on the outside, but on the inside, they can't move on. That's why Jesus taught so much about forgiveness. It's a stumbling block on the inside of us, which sometimes is seen on the outside, but sometimes it's not. Often it's not. It's something on the inside. And it creates bitterness or anger, if, if undealt with for a long time. Bitterness or anger in us. And... Um, and, I, and I've seen it in, in many people's lives who, have, uh, who haven't dealt with that um, for a very long time and have harbored the resentment. And it comes out as anger sometimes when there is that one name mentioned, one situation that is being recalled, or people crawl up in bitterness. It is, I know also that it is easy said to, to forgive, but for those who, haven't, who struggle with that, I think it's, uh, it would be good to see someone uh, someone you trust, someone from the church. We're a family here. Um, Pastor uh, um, um, Judith as well. Uh, there'll be lots of people prepared and, and to pray with you and, and, and help you deal with that unforgiveness if it's something you're struggling with. But to forgive, but to not to forgive is not to allow God to do that transformation in you. And people can't move on. And when we talk about forgiveness, we need to talk about forgiving ourselves as well. Because that's another sign to it. Peter denied Jesus, as we read earlier. Peter, as I talked about this earlier, sorry. Peter denied Jesus. And, um, and then he later repented. But he had to learn also to forgive himself for that. Because he realized his mistake. 
We read about that mistake about until today. And so later, um, as Jesus appears to them after his, resur- after his resurrection, he appears to them on the beach, and, and there, Peter is back to fishing. He's back to fishing in John 21, and, you know, I've left the ministry, yes, I'm, I'm here fishing. And, and, and then Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And when he asked him the third time, the Bible says that Peter was hurt. And I'm sure in his mind, the recollection of him denying Jesus was still alive. But Peter had to learn to forgive himself. And I, and I like the way that, um, um, I was looking at it just this morning, and I like the way that this uh, chapter, John 21, is, is entitled in uh, NIV Bible. It's, it's, not, it's not a verse, but just a title. It says, Jesus reinstates Peter. Yes, Jesus reinstates Peter. And that's what, uh, that's what God does, isn't it? But Peter had to learn to forgive himself as well. There's a saying um, that is particularly helpful to me um, on many occasions. It says, today, forget your past, forgive yourself, and begin again. If you have repented from whatever it is that is eating you away on the inside, feeling of guilt and shame, if you have talked it over with God, then today, forget your past, Forgive yourself and begin again. So forgiveness. So three points. Take a step back and try to see a bigger picture. Spend time with God and forgive. I'm sure other points could be added to the list because the topic of transformation is, is, is big. It's huge. And... Um, and um, and so many, many other things can be said about this. But three points which help us, which allow us to, to, um, allow us to let God do the transformation in our lives. Peter experienced many hard lessons and changes in his lifetime. But God used him till the very end of his life. And he wasn't perfect. And, um, but God led him to a life, lifestyle of mission. And this is what he does. This is what the transformation does. Yes, it impacts us. We learn new things about the Lord. We, we, see the re- we, 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 see, we hear the revelation of his word. But it impacts people around us as well. The transformation that God does in us um, is seen by others and it blesses others. It leads us to a lifestyle of mission wherever you are placed. Wherever you are placed. So if you think, well, I don't think I'm sharing enough of the gospel. I don't think that my life at work or with my family reflects God. Then begin, perhaps, by letting God transform you. By letting God um, um, change the way you think, change the way you act. By consciously letting him do that. Because that's what, that's what we do. In the same chapter, Acts 11, which we read about uh, Peter and Cornelius and the disciples... Um, if we would read on in that chapter, we would read about the Church of Antioch. Now, the Church of Antioch was a majority, was a, was a Gentile church. And it, and, it, and, it read, and it says that it grew exponentially to a few thousand members. And even 
And even the, the, the believers were called Christians there for the first time, a name which we carry till this day. And it happened right after the disciples in Jerusalem have accepted uh, uh, God's revelation that, yes, God has expanded and he's given the salvation to Gentiles as well. That transformation can bring about changes around the world, in us and around the world, which we, which we just don't dream of at this time. Um, that transformation which Peter has allowed God to do in his life, the disciples have, has impacted the church and the world as we know today. And so, um, that's all I have for, to say for this morning. I see children are coming back, but I hope that today, this morning, I was able to encourage you, give you some pointers as to, as to how do we do this and the importance of, of consciously allowing God to... Uh, to change our ways, to change our thoughts, to change our thinking, to metamorphosize us. Is that an English word? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. God bless.